Good morning. Aren't you glad you came this morning rushing around? That wasn't you this morning, was it? (laughs) My name is Lauren, and I'm part of the staff team here if we haven't had a chance to meet yet. And today, we're wrapping up our series for the month of August called What's in a Name? Where a bunch of us have been sharing, you know, a personal experience with God that we've had that has revealed to us an aspect of his character that, you know, what he's really like and helped us to see that. Well, if, you know, if I'm honest, you know, it's kind of a little bit embarrassing to say that, you know, I can relate to that clip a little more than I like to admit. You know, I can see myself in it. As long as I can remember, you know, my natural propensity, it strongly leans towards, you know, being an independent, you know, get her done kind of goal oriented kind of person, you know, go, 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 do, do, do. And the culture that we live in, you know, makes it even easier to be that person because there's so many rewards and accolades for being that busy person getting things done. And I would say, you know, in my earlier years, you know, I have noticed that the thrill of doing too much has really fueled me, actually, until that, you know, more recent years, it's actually, if I'm honest, not as fun to be as crazy busy as it used to be. But I, I can really see that over the years, I've pulled people around me into my busy, overly preoccupied vortex of busyness. And I think, you know, I may not be alone in this. I work online as a business coach. And I find that, you know, the women that I speak with every day or the couples that I interact with in my neighborhood, and even some of you that I speak with here, that we say the same thing. Life is way too busy. There's not enough margin. When anything, you know, doesn't work out, there's not enough room for things to, you know, for us to manage. Sleep deprivation, now that's real. And there's no end in sight, especially coming up to September, many of us with kids, the routine is about to get, you know, potentially even busier. Well, just a couple months ago, some of this all came into sharp focus for me as our church moved from our downtown location at the conference center right here to Avalon Cinema. And my particular role here on the staff team is a bit of an unusual one. I work actually very part-time here, just a couple of hours a week. And, you know, most of my hours go to facilitating spiritual growth, really focusing on some of the courses that we offer here during the year on a Sunday morning just a little pitch. They'll be coming up next month. You'll be hearing about them. But, you know, our challenges in that move to accomplish the move was actually needing to be compressed in a pretty short time frame. We had about six weeks to move and there's four staff and I count as one of those and I'm like, not, don't have much time. So the reality was, you know, it was beyond, you know, what four humans could really accomplish at least it was beyond that if survival, you know, was kind of meant to be part of that and we were meant to come out the other end feeling, you know, mentally okay. And yet I find often in in circumstances of, you know, following Jesus and having opportunities to do things that are bigger than ourselves, it's often at those times that God leverages for so many good things, even though it doesn't feel very comfortable at the time. But at that time for me personally, I had this really deep sense of peace that this was what was this was the right thing to do and yet he would be with us in a way that you know we really needed but i wasn't really sure how that would show up so it didn't take very long for me to feel like i was in the deep end 
communicating with five different teams consisting of about 110 people, scheduling and planning, you know, and umpteen moving parts, uh, you know, and there, so there was with full knowledge, you know, that the task was bigger than me, um, that really kind of shone a light on the time that I had available, my abilities um, were so much smaller than the task required. So I do, I did what I sometimes do and sometimes often do in these scenarios where I'm in over my head is I pray, except this time I prayed a lot. Have you ever felt that way, way over your head with, you know, a clear sense that you're really not sure how things will ever be right again, how it will work out? You know, maybe a job stressor that, you know, maybe something suddenly expanding, you're being asked to do more than you can do. Maybe a relationship goes sideways. Maybe the relationship you're really wanting isn't coming together and it's making you lose your mind. Maybe someone suddenly passes away, a lawsuit, or even losing a job unexpectedly. These situations can really rattle us kind of deep down where we wonder, is everything going to be okay? Will I ever feel normal again? Well, there's a thread through the entire biblical narrative, right from the beginning to the end, of God's intimate involvement in transforming circumstances by completely upending, completely turning things upside down of what we would naturally expect to happen if we were in charge. I want to read you these, these words from the book of Isaiah, written by an ancient biblical prophet. Listen to these words. God will give you... No, God will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. What beautiful, encouraging words. Beauty for ashes. ashes. He wants to give us that. Well, the original words were actually written and communicated in Hebrew. And the word for beauty in Hebrew is fair. The word for ashes is effer. And if you look at the spelling really carefully, the letter E is just moved from one location to the other. We totally miss this in the English, you know, the way it's translated in English, because the original had a poetic parallel that God has the power to move things around in our lives and change them into something beautiful. He has the power to take the painful, the ashen, the hopeless, and craft something out of it that is full of hope. Well, hundreds of years after this passage was written, a Hebrew scholar turned follower of Jesus named Paul wrote these words to some Christ followers living in the ancient city of Rome. Listen to this. Every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. Over the last three years, through being involved in our courses here at the meeting place, specifically the emotionally healthy discipleship courses that we've been running here, I've adopted a new way to relax with God each day, and it's with the practice of silence. 
And practicing silence, you know, as a spiritual exercise, you know, is really honestly about the most opposite of my naturally preferred state that there is. But over months and years, you know, I've consistently been experimenting and kind of embracing, honestly, the discomfort of short segments of silence. And I can tell you that, you know, after a lot of awkward moments and a lot of like feeling like, okay, it's got to have been like two or three minutes by now and it's a matter of seconds, you know, that it's really something that I've discovered that this has actually been written about for millennia. People who followed Jesus millennia ago have talked about this treasure. I didn't even know it existed until recently. And what's so powerful about having a little bit of silence is when you're, that silence is also contemplating the incredible loving presence and awareness of this loving presence of God with us. It is absolutely life-changing. Well, this last February and March, my third time through one of the courses, I discovered another ancient practice that taught me a fresh way and a fresh way to connect with Jesus and, you know, leapt out at me as something that I actually needed to not just, you know, think about, but actually needed to start experimenting with. It's the gift of Sabbath. It's a term that we, you know, we hardly ever use that term today. It's something that it simply means, you know, to take a complete day off from work, specifically for restorative recovery time. It's actually first documented in the very first book of the Bible in the story of creation where God himself, who is not limited by any human, you know, structures of time and space, he himself rested after creating for six, for six days and rested on the seventh And observing Sabbath ended up becoming one of the Ten Commandments in the time of Moses. Well, I grew up with some ideas about Sabbath, (laughs) about what it actually meant, because there was a family friend when I was growing up that they they had Sabbath. One of my best friends, you know, we would be out playing all, all during the week, and then their family would have Sabbath. And it looked to me like a very long day of detention. It didn't look fun at all. The kids weren't allowed to come and play, which meant that I didn't have a fun day either. The girls, my dear friend, she had to wear a skirt all day. It was horrible. Can't climb trees in a skirt. They had to stay home and read books. How boring was that? Obviously, I wasn't a reader until later. But, you know, their family basically became hermits all day, and it just had no appeal to me at all. So that was really my only reference to taking Sabbath. But thankfully... You know, what struck me during the course, you know, actually really quite powerfully, kind of like a canon, was that Sabbath originated as an extremely brilliant strategy designed by God, the architect of all of creation, the architect of you and I, as a gift of rest and as the best way for us to function. Well, having the time to discover even what our soul longs for is part of Sabbath. Trying to figure out what is it that helps restore my soul is probably different than what it takes to to restore your soul when you need to recover. Well, one thing is true. It was not intended as a source of restriction and obligation and weight and something that was solemn and, you know, overly serious. 
it was intended to be something restorative. Well, as I mentioned, I felt this strong nudge from God that I felt was God that was gently but very firmly suggesting that this was something that I needed to begin to carve out for myself. And it was going to take some dedicated time, you know, to, to, be, to reading. Um, it was actually going to take some, add some, you know, some strategy to the, the time I was already taking every day to sort of have a little quiet with Jesus and read my Bible and journal and, you know, meditate with God, that he was asking me to add a little bit more, add a little bit more, but in a kind of fun way. So the nudge was so strong, I had to start thinking about, okay, well, how can this actually work? How could I possibly take 24 hours off every week as a total break from work? And it was honestly very daunting, as well as appealing, kind of this new idea, thinking of it not as I had to wear a skirt all day and sit and read like a nun or something. You know, this, this could actually work. Well... As I started to think about how this was going to be possible, I, I start, the, the idea came to me right away that it was really just going to take me planning. And I'm like, okay, well, planning is something I don't hate that much, so I could probably do that. And so what I began to do was sort of think about how, you know, earlier on in the week, I'd have to just start figuring out how that would work. So I talked to my husband, and he was like, you know what? Let's do this together. So thankfully, he was in. I didn't have to Sabbath by myself, which was fine. I would have done that, but how fun we got to do this together. So back in March, we began our very first Sabbath experiment. And so far, we've carved out offline playtime every week. And we've really enjoyed, you know, this introduction to a new level of personal recovery including things like going for bike rides and day trips and adventures of all kinds. Sometimes, actually, I sit and read. It's actually become so relaxing and restorative that for both of us, it's become something that we're like, we, we don't want to give it up. And with you know that infusion of more low-stress time that we're just hanging out together, we've actually started to enjoy each other's company even more. Well, fast forward a couple months to the end of May when we were in the final weeks of this move and my task list to prepare, you know, for our teams, you know, was stacking up. My regular business clients were kind of running at normal speed. My daughter had returned home, you know, for just a couple of days. So I need to spend time some, I wanted to spend time with her. There was no need about it. And the sensation of imminent drowning was honestly becoming very real. And I remember a profound experience one morning as I attempted to sort of sit down and actually try to download the swarm of craziness in my brain and try to get a list happening so I could try to make sense of what to do. But I couldn't even sort through my thoughts because, you know, one, I'd write one thing down and it would, it would explode into another 15 things. And it just, it was not, my usual way of coping wasn't working. And as I sat there with my pen and my book ready to write my list, you know, I felt God whisper to me, to let him be part of my tasks in a new way. And so I was like, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to die anyway. So whatever, whatever you've got for me, let's just try it. So yeah, this is how I work. I have to be right on the edge of the cliff to make a change. So yeah, now you know. <laughs> so, you know, this began a new and unusual working relationship with God for me. It started out where I would ask and then listen, you know, what is it you want me to do next? And then I would do it. I'd, I'd feel him whisper to me what, it, what I would need to do. And it, it was simple things like communicate, get in touch with everyone you can think of, you know, hundreds of emails and calls later. I'd be like, wow, that was a, actually a really good thing to do first. 
he's actually a really good manager. I didn't really know that. Now I do. And that may sound really simplistic. And in some ways it was. It's honestly very odd. But on, it actually changed the trajectory of how that project got done. And it kind of made me laugh when people would say a couple weeks later, wow, we really felt communicated with. I'm like, mm, that's because that was the idea that I, it wasn't mine. But I noticed right away that I felt more peace, that I wasn't carrying this load by myself. And bonus for me, I even started sleeping better. Sleep is a high, high priority on my list if you know me very well. So yay, sleep was better. But something else unexpected happened. Following, you know, my personal lifetime pattern of, you know, do, 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 got to do more, go, go, go. I would have expected that the first week when things started heating up that come, you know, the day that I usually took off, that I would rationalize all the reasons why there was no possible way I could take a day off it was way too much to go to, you know, to do. It was madness. But for the first time in my personal existence, rather than feeling that I should work, I should get this done there, I actually had this sense that I must take this day off. That actually my mental survival for sure actually depended on it. It was, it was really quite dramatic because it was so foreign to the usual way that I had functioned my entire life. During that time, there was, you know, this verse that continually came to my mind from an ancient book in the Old Testament called Lamentations, written by someone who understood what it was like to be over his head in a great deal of suffering. Listen to these words. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, I, and I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Waiting. Ugh. Waiting isn't comfortable, it's not interesting or stimulating or even attractive to me in any way. <laughs> and yet, over the many years, really since I was a teenager, developing a habit of reading the Bible a little bit, and then more recently, morphing into adding silence and, you know, now Sabbath. It's actually developed a skill of beginning to slow down and of listening. And I say this because I'm beginning. There's like seriously baby steps here. But this verse emphasizes something really powerful. That his compassions never fail. And that they're new every morning. That means every day we get to start over in so many ways. And here's the other part of that that's kind of a little, little hidden there is that in order for us to essentially even receive some of those new compassions every morning, that it requires us to wait, to slow down, to be silent. That it's ac actually often our busyness that keeps us from receiving the best parts of what God has for us. And, you know, I wasn't born with that skill. I've needed to be taught to rest. I've needed to learn to be silent over long periods of time. Not silent for long periods of time, but over long periods of time, taking little baby steps. I've needed to practice slowing down. It is not natural for me at all. And to wait. Well, the character of God that shines out for me through this recent experience is that he is into the long game. And I don't mean the long game like next week. I mean, the long game, decades, years, millennia. 
I am into the, into the now. What's happening right now? I don't know. I can't figure it out and getting really distracted. And he's into preparing me and you for so many good things. But the thing is, sometimes that preparation that he's doing in our heart that requires us to slow down and be quiet, sometimes it's this fine little tuning of our ability to hear. Sometimes it's tuning us to even be aware of his good gifts. Because, I mean, when we're busy, for sure, we all know we miss, we miss all kinds of things. We, of, we often don't know what we miss. And so God's invitation to us through, you know, time with him, silence and slowing down is actually where some of the treasure comes out. This is my new awareness that you get to be part of. Hopefully you can have a little shortcut and go shorter or faster than I did. You know, there isn't a magic formula for life. But there is a very clear recipe for a better life. A recipe created by God right from the moment that he thought us up. And it's this. Surrender. And surrender regularly. And if it was exciting and awesome, we would already be doing it. The reason we're not good at this is because it requires discipline. It requires us to be out of our comfort zone. And for me, it just helps to be honest about that. Okay, it's going to be a challenge instead of waiting for it to get easy. And one of the things, you know, in the way that God, you know, shows up in our lives and brings good things is really the way that we get in the way of that is when we don't allow ourselves to move away from our natural propensity to maintain control in our lives and also distracting ourselves through busyness. And I know for me, that's a huge part of my story is being quiet with myself required me to start paying attention to stuff I didn't want to pay attention to. Being busy felt a lot easier. Silence and Sabbath have both been instrumental in helping me to regularly even remember to surrender, to even think about it, to, you know, regularly be, get, be in that practice. You know, it doesn't come naturally to me. My natural is busy, distracted, go, go, go. But, you know, the result of that surrender is such an incredible sweetness that it's worth it. And isn't that the case that there's so many things in life that the treasure is on the other side of something that many of us say no to? This is another one of those. Well, if the craziness of life, you know, has you running with the pedal to the metal and, you know, that video clip we watched relates to you as well. And the very idea of silence and Sabbath, you know, seem impossible. Let the words from possibly, you know, the most renowned biblical piece of poetry, Psalm 23, wash over you. I invite you to just take a breath right now and just allow yourself to be here and present in this moment. And I'm going to read these words. They're in a a translation that you may or may not have seen. It's quite a recent one that I love. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace. The quiet brook of bliss. That's where... He restores my life. I'm going to read it one more time, and I want you to kind of notice 
How many times in just these couple of lines, there's reference to rest, to peace, to quiet. Let's read it again. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. I invite you to pray with me. God, thank you so much that we have seen here in all of the the scriptures that we've read here that remind us that you're into giving us good gifts. Everything you want for us is better than we can even imagine. And we just come to you and, you know, honestly say that this is not easy for us. Being busy and, you know, in our culture of just affirming busyness, it's just a natural, easy state to be in. And, And yet... Here we are in a place where you are inviting us into something new. And I just pray that wherever we're at this morning, that you know, that you would remind us that this is this isn't, you know, a mistake that we've made. That you're you're incredibly kind to us. There's no judgment here. It's just about an invitation for us to maybe take a step towards listening to you in a new way. And maybe just experimenting with shutting things off just a little bit so that we might start to hear you, potentially in new ways, potentially even for the first time. Thank you that you love us. And all of everything that you give us is intended for our benefit. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.